this is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Hey, Kelly. Well, let's start here with Nat Gas because there are some eye-popping moves. The U.S. contract surged more than 11% earlier in the day to 975, which was the highest since July 2008. It has since pulled way back from that level, but is holding right around the $9 level. Now, this August contract rolls tomorrow, meaning some of the activities due to thin trading volume around expiration. But on the fundamental side, we do have hot temperatures and little production growth. And that gas now on track for its best month ever. And if you thought our prices were elevated, take a look at Europe. Nat gas there is surging nearly 20% today, crossing above the 200 euro per megawatt hour mark for the first time since March. At 211, that's equivalent to about $63 on Henry Hub, according to Argus Media. The EU today agreeing to voluntarily cut gas usage by 15% between August and next March. And those cuts would become mandatory in the event that an emergency is declared. This deal, of course, comes one day before Russia is set, is set to further cut gas deliveries via Nord Stream 1. Beginning tomorrow, Kelly, it will be operating at just 20% capacity. And they're paying six times what we are paying for natural gas, and we know already more for gasoline as well. Amazing. Pippa, thank you. Uh, welcome to War Room Battleground, Tuesday, 26 July. Year of our Lord 2022, headline in this morning's uh, Financial Times of London, fears of Europe's gas crunch mount as Russians cut Nord Stream 1 flows. We've invited in Rebecca Koffler is going to join us in a moment. But I got a start. I got Mike Davis going to talk about the laptop from Helen. What's going on in this tech bill? It's, it's kind of like the 27 Yankees. We've got murderers rope. I got to start with my leadoff batter. Dave Walsh, you've done such a great job of really becoming kind of the tutor and the mentor to the MAGA movement about energy. But brother, I, I got to put it in perspective today. I think when Trump was in office, and, and Dave Walsh, correct me, I remember, I think the natural gas was around a buck fifty, buck seventy-five. I know it got over two, and I think it was two a while ago. But it's nine dollars and what thirty-four cents today. It's been banging around. I got up to nine seventy-five. What's the price of the exact amount? Compare just stand on that in that comparison in Europe as we mark to market today. What's the what's the price of natural gas, sir? Europe equivalent to the U.S. per MMBTU sixty three bucks. We hit uh, about three hours ago or eight ninety three. We did spike up to nine forty five today. During the most of the Trump administration, we averaged about two twenty five to two thirty per MMBTU. Um, one, one fourth of these levels, uh, is where we were, you know, we, you know, the, uh, uh, we talked you and I about the Freeport LNG fire terminal, LNG terminal fire a few weeks ago, when that hit prices dropped one day to 550, we've gone up 62.3% since then as exportation has kicked in very high gear to Western Europe. Yeah. Yeah. But hang on, but, but, but hang on, hang on, hang on. I want to, I want to put a pin in that. Because I don't think, and I talked to Cortez when I booked you, I said, look, I don't think we're describing to the American people, when we talk about the Germans talking about they think they're going to have social unrest when the Italian government just fell because of this. It's it, what we're paying. We used to pay average, of, let's say $2 or somewhere just north of $2 yeah, under yeah, Trump when we had yeah. full spectrum energy dominance, two twenty, two around two bucks uh, under Trump and full spectrum energy dominance. Right. At today, it got up under Biden north of nine bucks, almost ten dollars. Okay, now I understand back up over nine dollars. The equivalent in Europe is sixty three bucks. Am I am I correct in that? I just want to make sure yes, that we're comparing yes. to an American audience. Apples to apples. Okay, yes. this you're going you're going to have. First off, we've made the Biden, NATO, Davos, the EU have made the oligarchs in Russia and Putin and the collection of thugs and criminals around him. The richest Saudi princes, 
This is, you're going to have a revolution in Europe. $63, besides paying for either heat or air conditioning and some food, they're not going to have any yeah. discretionary income to do anything. Dave Walsh, am I, am I wrong in this, sir? No, you're exactly right. And to point specifically, Germany, who bragged about the wind energy, solar energy for electricity, have remained 95% dependent on gas and oil for home and building heating. So this is a complete disaster in Germany. Plus the manufacturing base there, of course, heavily dependent on natural gas feedstock for all kinds of products from petrochemicals to plastics, the car making, everything. But here, here's a continent that also in the last 15 years has methodically and programmatically reduced its own production of oil and gas coming out of the North Sea, Norway, Sweden, the UK, Scotland, reducing production from what was close to 10 million barrels a day down now pre, pre-Ukraine invasion to 3.5 million barrels a day coming out of the North Sea on a conscious basis to become dependent on Russia. They haven't reduced consumption really at all, meaningfully in Western Europe. It's been a matter of becoming totally dependent on imports from Russia as opposed to their own production. And, you know, heaven forbid this administration wants the same thing to happen in this country. Reduce production from where we were at 13 million barrels a day two okay. years ago down now 2 million barrels a day and to lower levels yet if they're, if most of their policies are enforced. Hang on one second. I want to go back to Europe because this is all inextricably linked. There's a, correct me if I'm wrong, you're our mentor, you're our guide. There's a direct correlation between price of natural gas and the price of food. Is it not correct, sir? Yes, sir. Three quarters, three quarters of the key fertilizers in the world are derived from natural gas. That's one issue. Secondly, the transportation of everything in the cold chain from vegetables to fruits to meats, the transportation and cooling of those items to keep them refrigerated, to be able to safely consume them. I'm speaking in very plain terms. That's what we're talking about is is probably now 60 percent transportation and cold chain costs inside of typical food items, not to mention what's happened to fertilizer costs that have quintupled since uh, mid last year which is, is a huge input, and we're going to have a huge problem in the fall harvest. Uh, Dave, hang on one second. I'm going to bring in Rebecca Coffin in a second, but I want to ask you this. If people consciously put together a plan of how to destroy a civilization based upon energy, they would go to this, the transition to these, uh, to these, um, um, uh, sustainable energies that are not ready yet, cut dramatically, cut production. Hold it. Then make yourself totally dependent upon a a uh, a, a dictatorship that uh, that has its own strategic plan. Make yourself almost a hundred percent that, and then challenge that. Is there anything I'm missing? That and by the way, it's sixty three. People understand this. What we're paying nine dollars for and is breaking the backs of American consumers. This is why forty two percent of people can't sleep at night. Because they're sitting there, sitting there going, how am I going to pay this? I can't even make my day-to-day bills. This is why Walmart just missed their numbers. Walmart missed their numbers for one reason. The consumers have enough to pay for energy costs and transportation right. energy costs. And the little bit of food they're getting at Walmart, they came out, is, because I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. But how possibly did Davos and Brussels and NATO and the EU and all these geniuses with the German governments are so smart all of our betters, how did they actually set up a perfect storm that will literally destroy their economies and with their economies, their people? No, you're, you're exactly right. And you go right back again, simple things, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. People will buy food first, the energy to get the food and refrigerate the food and to make the food second, to cool and heat themselves third before they get to, excuse my plain speaking, buying junk at a store. And because of that, you're seeing now a significant recessionary signs occurring. The use of gas in this country is now down 8% from a year ago, same date. The use of the gas for cars. I'm going to tell you how bad that is. In, in, in the harbinger of the recession we're into now, in the 2008 recession depression, which was severe, gas use declined about 4% year on year, 08 to 09. In the 2020 catastrophe collapse we had for about three months, it dropped about 13%. So 
So 4% in 2008 to 2009, 13% last year, 2020, in that four-month, five-month bad period, we're already down 8% in utilization of gasoline in the last few months. So, yeah, there's been some price relief here of about uh, 10 12% in the last uh, few weeks because of severe demand suppression of, of gas use for cars over here, which is indicative of we're into a significant recession caused by energy costs in everything, in food, in gasoline, in home heating oil. We're going to get into cooling in the summer right now with gas across 40%, 60% of the country now dependent on gas-fired power generation. And, um, you know, the, the narrative on all this, you know, the, the Wall Street yesterday came out with an article spinning the, uh, the grid stability, how summer weather constrained the grid. It's not summer weather. What's happened to us is the fact that we've reduced baseload continuous duty energy sources already by about 9% from 2015. And if you believe all the consensus forecasts of new generation capacity to be added by 2030, reserve margins in this country will be about halved from where they were in 2015, meaning the opportunity for grid disturbances, brownouts and blackouts will more than triple by 2030 not because of grid instability, but because of the lack of continuous baseload power generation plants, coal, natural gas, and nuclear. Stuff that produces power all of the time is now the mix of that has drastically reduced in favor of wind and solar new capacity additions, causing much more exposure to brownouts and blackouts as reserve margins of electric power reduce and reduce and reduce. Now, we're headed into that third world category, consciously and intentionally. Unbelievable. Hang on for one second. In a world energy crisis, but the United States is heading into a third world. I want to bring in Rebecca Koffler, Dave Walsh, you hang right there. Rebecca, you're, I think, uh, your former DIA officer. You're considered one of the world's experts on understanding Putin and the royal, uh, the czar's court around him and their thinking. Could they've ever envisioned in a million years that the, the the geniuses in Brussels and EU and in Germany and uh, would have had a plan set up that they're now, I think they're generating $900 million of free cash flow a day, ma'am. They could have never predicted it, uh, Steve. What happened was even Putin uh, pre-calculated the potential, the impact of the potential sanctions. He sanction-proofed his economy. He could have never expected that the Washington geniuses were going to bite the nose to spite the face. The sanctions are now backfiring at us. The International Monetary Fund released a new outlook and predicting that the global economy is in the recession. But guess whose economy is not in the recession? The numbers for the Russian economy are actually up. The geniuses are completely incompetent in Washington, and they need to get out. We need to install real people who understand warfare, who understand strategy, and the economy. Because uh, guess who's advising Putin? He has an MIT-educated central banker, Elvira Nabiulina. He added another econ PhD to his team. And I don't know who these people are, you know, that are running the White House, because it's certainly not Biden and the Jake Sullivans and the Anthony Blinkens. These are the Obama 2.0 crew that screwed things up the first time, not only in, you know, Afghanistan, but in, with, with Russia, right? They wanted a reset. They wanted to be friends with Putin. It's a mess. Let, let, let me say the F Financial Times of London fears of Europe's gas crunch mount as Russia cuts Nord Stream 1 flows. Uh, Rebecca, my question is Zelensky came out today and accused Russia of being a terrorist state because he says they're using uh, gas as a weapon. I correct me if I'm wrong. I thought it was the United States that went after to take down the central bank of Russia that crushed the ruble to cause a revolution in the streets. What does Zelensky mean when he says, of course, they're going to use their natural. What does Zelensky mean when he called uh, Putin and the Russians economic terrorists, ma'am? It's it's very difficult to understand what Zelensky means. Uh, Steve Zelensky is a highly trained, skilled and talented actor. He knows exactly what buttons to push 
with Americans and with the Europeans. So he's throwing out uh, phrases like, you know, Putin is a war criminal, you know, Russia is a terrorist state. This is all intended to evoke emotions because he knows how we react, right? So what's been happening is Ukraine is losing the war and Zelensky is looking for scapegoats to blame somebody. And so all this rhetoric is not going to translate in any kind of uh, progress and victory because the way that he identified victory is to retake the entire portion that the Russians have occupied, which is one, um, one fifth, right? And that is just implausible. And so what's happening, President Biden has opened the spigot. It's U.S. taxpayers' money that are flowing into the coffers of not only Putin oligarchs, but Ukrainian oligarchs and the U.S. military-industrial complex. Guess whose stocks are up during this war? The Northrop Grumman's and the Raytheon's. And it's the American people that are funding this war. And Biden and his conglomerate, the corrupt conglomerate, are telling the American people that we're going to provide support to Ukraine for as long as it takes, I quote. Really? We have already spent in five months more than in five years in Afghanistan. It's outrageous. Eight billion during the Biden administration, plus additional 54 billion that Congress has, 62 billion, and it's keep ratcheting it up. They're going to devastate and Rebecca. bankrupt our own country. Rebecca, your book is out there. We're going to have you back on later when we get a better connection. Your book is out in paperback, Putin's Playbook. Uh, people can get it on Amazon. It's from Regnery. It's the paperback edition. I strongly recommend everybody get this book. You get inside the thinking of the KGB, the FSB, the court around Putin, but particularly his plan to take down America. And I got to tell you, uh, this is a very well thought through thing. And the thing that scares me is the Western Europe and NATO and the Biden administration is playing right into their hands. I just want to leave you with one quote. Joni Ernst today over at the, uh, uh, maybe yesterday, at the, uh, the America First Policy Institute conference said uh, her objective and the objective of other hawks like her are to literally decimate the Russian media, uh, Russian army, the Russian military, and drive them out of Ukraine back into Russia which would obviously lead to American combat troops would have to be there. What's your what's your social media handles, Rebecca, and how do people get the book, uh, Putin's Playbook? The book is available anywhere on Amazon and pretty much in any store. Putin's Playbook, Russia's Secret Plan to Defeat America. I predicted this war, and the new introduction includes uh, the information on the crisis in Ukraine. It also includes information of what the DIA and the CIA were trying to hide from the American people by censoring my book, which they actually did try to kill. So you're going to learn a lot. My social media handle is at Rebecca0132. Thank you for having me, Steve. Uh, you speak the truth, unlike so many channels here that are basically cheering. They have become PR agents for Zelensky. And they're deceiving the American people about how they brought us into this war that potential has a very, very serious potential to escalate in a major war in Europe and even in a war between the United States and Russia. Because not only we're supplying weaponry, we are now considering supplying F-15s and F-16s. So Putin, they think the genius is Putin is just going to sit and wait. You know, he's going to try to accomplish as much as he can and unleash, you know, he's already unleashing bombardment across the entire Ukraine. You know, he just struck Odessa, this whole grain, you know, export deal was just a deception by Putin. And these geniuses, they, they are tricked every single time. Rebecca, thank you so much. By the way, Rebecca Koffler has joined us from the uh, lobby of the, uh, of the famous Trump Tower, you see right there in the background. Uh, Rebecca Koffler wouldn't yes. happen to be positioning herself to be na to be national security advisor I in the can. second Trump administration. <laughs> it's there, Rebecca there <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> Thank you so much. Live from Rebecca's live from the uh, from Trump. You should you deserve it. It's out in paperback today from Regnery everywhere. Everybody got to get it. We're going to have her back on. We get her in studio to go through this. I want to go back to Dave Walsh. Dave, uh, are, are we inadvertent? By the way, the $63 is not an apples to apples comparison because the contracts are done differently. But let's say this. They're paying out of six or seven times. What Amer- five times what Americans are paying. It's an enormous difference. And this is why these governments, uh, Orban called it in Hungary, they're going to start to fall like dominoes. D- are we on the precipice, Dave Walsh? You say the United States is heading to be a third world country as far as energy production goes, where we should be full spectrum energy dominance like we're in a Trump. Do you believe right now, sir, that we are on the precipice of causing a global energy crisis that'll be very tough to, uh, to unwind, sir? Are we looking into the abyss? We have a global energy crisis, and I'm going to say Zelensky's commentary is so disingenuous. You're a student of the Second World War. Modern warfare for the last hundred years has been totally dependent on oil and gas. The Japanese invasion of Pearl Harbor was about the United States oil and gas boycott after they had taken two-thirds of Southeast Asia. The U.S. boycotted oil and gas. Japan attacked Pearl Harbor as a direct result. The, the uh, Germans negotiated in 1939 a treaty with Russia to to augment their three-day supply of oil and gas, Germany, to get the war machine moving into Poland, Yugoslavia, Hungary, with Russian gas and oil that they contracted for for about two years, happily being delivered to them. When the Russians ceased that agreement was about the time that Germany decided to invade, to go and get those oil fields, because they're essentially important to the conduct of any conflict. It's not about terrorism. It's about the modern age warfare is dependent on the supply of oil and gas. This is this is through history. No, we're in a these kinds of prices are hideous. And again, I go back to the German case of home heating is a big deal. And 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 factory capacity, you know, the car industry, the chemical industry, the steel industry in Germany, the machine tool industry, all based on energy, oil and gas at the heart of it. Um, this this issue of having having no supply with the north the pipeline shut down for maintenance that are probably you know, a lot of concern not going to be reopened. Again, 95% of building heating is still oil and gas, despite all these media proclamations about Germany being green and wind and solar. Wind and solar have nothing to do with most of the energy consumed in Germany, frankly, when you take into account heating, cooling, and transportation. All in. Unbelievable. Dave Walsh, how do people get to you? I know you're up on Getter, putting up great material all the time. How do people get to you, sir? I'm on Getter at Dave Walsh Energy on Getter. Thank you, Steve. Unbelievable. Dave, you've done such a good job of being a mentor to the MAGA movement to understand this. I think our show does a better job of giving the average American a real snapshot of what's going on in the world, because right now this is an energy crisis. It's going to drive a famine. It's also going to drive misery, and governments are going to fall. You see it. The Italian government's falling exactly because of this issue. This is why Draghi's gone, and this is why Giorgio Maloney's going to be there. Yes, sir. In the the country, only you really providing the forum to do this. Only you. Uh, This is really important. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it, brother. Dave Walsh. Let's go. Other, uh, more blockbuster news today, and I had to bring the one and over Mike Davis. Mike Davis is very focused on this this tech bill that they're trying to get forced to break the tech oligarchs. Mike, I've had had you do other duty, given you know uh, Grassley. Blockbuster story overnight from CBS News, Catherine Herridge. Uh, the whistleblowers, official real whistleblowers from the FBI and DOJ have come to Grassley. He's met them. He's interviewed them. He's looked them in the eye. He sent a letter now, DOJ, about the laptop from hell, Hunter Biden's. Walk us through what is going on, and I'm going to take you through. We got a couple minutes you lay the case at them. I'll bring you back and talk about Grassley as a man and how serious he is. What, what is what did, what did CBS tell us last night and this morning, sir? So what happened is, is Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa is the top Republican on the Senate Judiciary Committee, and he has been a longtime champion for federal whistleblowers, people who want to expose waste, fraud, and abuse in the federal government. And he has been investigating uh, serious corruption at the FBI, uh, where whistleblowers from the FBI have come to him with very credible evidence, according to his letter and according to Catherine Heritage's reporting, that the FBI, not only did the FBI uh, 
tr uh, tried to influence the election to uh, on Trump to, to make sure he wasn't elected and not reelected. They also uh, they coddled Hunter Biden. There was an invest active investigation into Hunter Biden's corruption. Uh, James Biden, President Biden's brother, Hunter the son, and maybe even President Biden himself. There is corruption with their foreign dealings with Ukraine and China and elsewhere, tax evasion, fa failure to report these foreign dealings, other potential crimes. The FBI had serious leads on this, and F uh, there were senior officials in the FBI in the, in the Washington field office who shut down this investigation, number one. Uh, number two, they actually set up this, uh, they set up this hoax. They, they had, they had a, a supervisor, supervisory intel agent at the FBI say that this derogatory information about Hunter James and maybe President Biden was part of a misinformation or a disinformation campaign from a foreign government. And that's how they were able to shut down this criminal investigation. This is, this is as bad as it gets for, for corruption inside of the FBI. And uh, my former boss, Chuck Grassley, is trying to get to the bottom of it. Okay, we're going to take a short commercial break and return with... Um... We're going to return with Article 3, our man at Article 3, as he goes through Chuck Grassley. Chuck Grassley is a, uh, Mike Davis knows him, Chuck Grassley is a rock of Gibraltar. He's not a lawyer, but he heads up judiciary. You know why? Because he's Iowa fair uh, and Iowa tough. But what's happened, these revelations that come out in the last couple of days are nothing short of stunning, that the FBI that had the laptop from hell in December of uh, 2019 uh, not only didn't do anything with it, actually suppressed the investigation forward and then actively spun the tale about it being a disinformation campaign. They had the 35 or 40 intelligence officers take that, send that letter to the New York Times. Okay, short commercial break. Mike Davis, Article 3, next in the war room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risks by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us.
War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. I got Mike Davis from Article 3. He was uh, he knows Chuck Grassley, worked for Chuck Grassley, was a clerk for uh, Gorsuch, all of it. Uh, I got two things I want to talk to him briefly, too. The, the takedown of the Ministry of State, I've, he's committed to do an hour on these Axios memos. Also, his campaign to take down the tech oligarchs. Mike, I got to tell you, because, look, you know, on War Room, we're the guys that work with the New York Post to get it up in print at the Murdoch newspaper, and we broke it. that. And when the New York Post went up that morning, we, we're the guys that the first people in media to kind of put it up, and, and we're relentless on this thing, to the fact that they took us down on Twitter and everything else. But this is what my strong belief had to be that something like this went on. It's different when you see CBS News report it, which you have real whistleblowers at a senior level have come to Grassley. They've been interviewed, and Grassley's now sent a letter. This is about as serious as you can get. And I think what's shocking is people are going to come to the conclusion that the Darren Beatties of the world and the Raheem Kassams of the world and the Steve Bannons of the world, we've been saying for a long time, we need another like church committee or church commission that the FBI and the CIA are so out of control and so off their original mission that we need to collectively come together and review all of this. Where do you think, you know Grassley better than anybody. You know how determined he is. Where do you think Grassley's investigation is going to go in this, sir? Well, I think it's going to expose corruption at every level, uh, that there's corruption at the Department of Justice, including at the FBI. There's corruption. There was corruption in the, the Obama White House when they unleashed the Russian collusion probe on incoming president uh, Donald Trump when they spied on his presidential campaign, when they even used an intel contractor to spy on President Trump when he was the president of the United States. And then when there's this uh, and then when there's this investigation into Hunter Biden, uh, who's the bag man for James and probably President Biden, if you if you look at the communications, if you look at the emails, uh, President Biden knows full well what his son and brother James are doing. And, uh, you know, when when there's derogatory information that's coming in to the FBI, the FBI is trying to investigate this. And then the uh, senior leaders of the FBI cook up this fake intelligence that that the this derogatory information is from a foreign disinformation campaign to shut down this investigation into the Biden family, this is as corrupt as you're going to get. And uh, Chuck Grassley, my former boss, he's determined. He 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 works he wor he works like a dog, and he's dogged. He'll get to the bottom of this. It's absolutely shocking, but everything we said has come true, and this is going to be massive. The FBI now has been exposed by whistleblowers. Chuck Grassley, the Judiciary Committee's on it. Remember, we flipped up the Senate. He takes charge. There'll be hearings immediately. This is a blockbuster. Uh, real quickly, two things. Number one, you've committed. I've got you committed now on national TV that you're committed. You're going to do an hour. The reason is, is that Mike Davis, as you know, we spent two hours in a special a month ago, and people are still raving about it. Talked about the legal aspect of the deconstruction of the administrative state with really Gorsuch as the, the, the intellectual leader, I would say, of that on the court. And this is why I said, and I'm not a Supreme Court guy, but I have mentors like Mike Davis. I said in the last session, as important as Roe v. Wade is, the one that will be remembered historically was the EPA versus West Virginia, because that begins, I think, this process of deconstructing the administrative state. In addition, Axios has reported this amazing program that's put together with all these different groups to really have the 4,000 political appointees be ready to hit the beach day one, what they call landing teams, beachhead teams, to get into the government and start the actual process of deconstructing the administrative state. And Mike, You've committed to, to come on and we're going to take an hour or so, maybe a two hour special, walk through that memo and see how they converge also with the legal. I do have to ask you, if you're in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, and remember, we have, I think, five of the seven richest counties in the country because of the imperial cities here and so many of the federal employees from the administrative state. You are constantly if you if you watch MSNBC and CNN, which we do nonstop, we, we have teams that monitor them. If you think the big pharma ads used to be big, it's nothing compared to what they're doing to stop Mike Davis in Article 3 and S, was it 2992? Uh, and, and every ad is like the end of the world or mom and apple pie. So give me a two minutes on what are you trying to do and why is big tech take the best filmmakers in the world and I either have a tear in my eye or I want to get under the desk because I'm afraid the Chinese are going to take me over if we pass Mike Davis's bill. 
<laughs> so it's S2992. My former boss, Chuck Grassley, is the champion of this bill in the Senate with Amy Klobuchar and then uh, Congressman Ken Buck, conservative all-star from Colorado in the House, along with, uh, you know, impeachment manager David Cicilline. This bill has wide bipartisan support with the progressive left and the Trump conservatives. And what it does is it finally breaks up big tech's gatekeeping power over information and commerce. So the trillion dollar big tech monopolist, Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple, they have too much power. They're too influenced by China and they use their power to crush competition, shutter small businesses, <clears throat> cancel conservatives and others with whom they disagree. They need, they can't have this gatekeeping power. We've heard that, oh, if you don't like Twitter, build your own. Well, guess what? Parler tried to do that. They had a $1.3 billion valuation. So what happens? They blamed Parler for the January 6th protest, even though they were organized on Facebook. Google and Apple kicked Parler out of the App Store duopoly, and Amazon kicked Parler off the internet. They crushed Parler. So there goes your build your own argument. We need to update and enforce our century-old antitrust laws and break up big tech's gatekeeping power. Let me ask you some inside baseball. I'm hearing that you don't get a vote before recess. The August recess, it's over, but you're saying you think there's going to be a vote immediately. You you don't believe that? You don't buy that? You say there's going to be a vote immediately upon no. the return before they leave for the campaign trail? There's going to be all kinds of pressure on Schumer. Schumer knows that the votes are there. He had promised a vote to Klobuchar. He knows the votes are there. Klobuchar has delivered Democrat votes. Grassley has delivered the Republican votes. Schumer needs to call the votes. He needs to decide whether he wants to be with his populist base or his big tech billionaire donors. And he needs to call the vote. And, it, you know, the closer we get to the midterm election, it makes it harder to pass this with bipartisan support, but it still can get done uh, after Labor Day. Mike Davis, how do people follow you on social media and how they get to uh, Article 3 and find out all the great work you're doing? So I appreciate it, Steve. It's article3project.org, article3project.org, article, at article3project, at article3project on Twitter and Getter. And my personal is MRDDMIA, at MRDDMIA. Thank, thank you again. Make sure everybody goes there and check it out. There's every, everything breaking. And now Mike's going to be on top of, because of his relationships, on top of this Hunter Biden. This is a massive story. I can't tell you how big this is going to be. Mike Davis. Thank you. It's not just about the Bidens. It's about the corruption of the Chinese Communist Party, the influence peddling, the money, all of it. It's going to be massive and why the FBI was not on top. Okay, let's play Joe Allen's call. We got Mike Walsh and Joe Allen. Let's hit Joe Allen's cold open and we'll get Joe Allen in. So the potential for superintelligence kind of lies dormant in matter, much like the power of the atom lies dormant uh, throughout human history, patiently waiting there until 1945. In this century, scientists may learn to awaken the power of artificial intelligence. And I think we might then see an intelligence explosion. So let's do a thought experiment. Let's say that we decide to have a chat with China on some kind of treaty around AI surprises. In the 50s and 60s, we eventually worked out a, a world where there was a no surprise rule about nuclear tests, and then eventually they were banned. When you do a when somebody launches a missile they, uh, for testing or whatever, they notify everyone. And everyone then uses their missile defense systems to watch, to target, to train the systems. It's, a, it's an example of a balance of trust or lack of trust. It's a no surprises rule. I'm very, very concerned that the uh, U.S. view of China as uh, corrupt or communist or whatever, and the Chinese view of America as failing, which has been well documented, will allow people to say, oh my God, they're up to something, and then begin some kind of conundrum, begin some kind of thing where because you're arming or you're getting ready, you then trigger the other side. We, we don't have anyone working on that, and yet AI is that powerful. I think we need something like a Manhattan Project on the topic of artificial intelligence. Not to build it, because I think we'll inevitably do that, but to, to understand how to avoid an arms race and to build it in a way that is aligned with our interests. But the moment we admit that information processing is the source of intelligence, that some appropriate computational system is what the basis of intelligence is, and we admit that we will improve these systems continuously, and we admit that the horizon of cognition very likely far exceeds 
what we currently know, then we have to admit that we're in the process of building some sort of God. Now would be a good time to make sure it's a God we can live with. Thank you very much. Uh, you think that science fiction is not, and that is a, a this is the, probably of everything we have to deal with on, on these shows, this underpins, I think it's the most important topic and it underpins so much that's going on in the Great Reset and, and this authoritarian rule of the administrative state, all of it. The underpinning is that there's something there, what we call transhumanism. But one of the biggest aspects, remember, that's a convergence of many different kind of disciplines, four or five onto a point, what we call the singularity. One of the ones that's gotten a lot of attention here recently over the last couple of weeks is the artificial intelligence part. I want to bring in Joe Allen. Joe, tell me what I just saw and how worried should I be when, when, when uh, Schmidt essentially saying that, uh, which they had the link on Drudge, artificial intelligence, and, and Miles Guoa said this from the beginning, he said social media and artificial intelligence are more powerful, more lethal, and more deadly to the human race than nuclear weapons, sir. Uh, yes, yeah, Steve, the three men that we just heard for the, the listeners, the radio audience, uh, that, that was Nick Bostrom of Oxford University, Eric Schmidt, ex-Google, and of course, Sam Harris, the one of the most prominent new atheism evangelists talking about artificial intelligence becoming a new god. That sort of language is really not uncommon uh, in certain tech circles, and it's pretty much universal among transhumanists. Uh, what you see there is a real concern by men who are pushing for the development of advanced artificial intelligence, including artificial general intelligence, talking about their worries. Uh, I think Nick Bostrom is probably the most articulate on this. His uh, 2014 book, uh, you can see here, Super Intelligence, really lays out all of the different possible pathways that an artificial super intelligence could develop. And what he talks about is the possibility of self-improving artificial intelligence software coming to a point of a hard takeoff you would get then an intelligence explosion. And so his idea is that once an artificial intelligence system moves from artificial narrow intelligence, in which it just does simply one task, to artificial general intelligence, in which it's something like a human intelligence, to artificial super intelligence, it will be by its nature out of human control. And I think a lot of people, both laymen and experts in the tech industry, uh, argue a lot about whether that's even possible or how likely it is. But you could say that about half or, you know, whatever it is, about half uh, really do believe that the possibility of a hard takeoff of an intelligence explosion of an artificial intelligence system that would be, in essence, a god because it's superhuman is not only possible, but likely. And I think when you hear someone like Eric Schmidt, who was the chairman of the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence, in which he argued that we have to embrace artificial intelligence. We have to keep pushing for its advancement because we are in essence in an arms race with China. And if we don't develop it, and if we don't inculcate our Western values into those systems, then China will do so. And the artificial intelligence systems and all of the other technologies that are gonna be controlled underneath that will be then wielded by China or if it were to take off out of human control, it would be a, an artificial intelligence system that would bear the marks of communism and authoritarianism as opposed to consensus and liberty on the West. Uh, in all of these cases- but when you say, hold on, hang on, hang on. When you talk about that, and, and it, that is at the general level, artificial general intelligence, and, and, and they're afraid of it, there are experiments going on, but let's go back. I want to go now back to what happened in Moscow because we've been promised, we've these guys have sworn that this can't possibly happen. Go back to, and this incident is very important. The the robot with the artificial intelligence playing against the young child or the young boy in the chess match, and reached across when the boy kind of put his hand out there because there was a false move. The robot came and broke his finger. So how can any of their promises or any of the discussion they're having be taken seriously? When you've seen really at a very small level 
that it there, there's a problem here. I mean, why would a robot break a child's finger? At the same time, in the same couple of weeks, we've had this Google engineer saying, hey, I know when I'm talking to a human and the program I was working on was a seven or eight year old child, Joe Allen. Yeah, I, the it, the situation in Moscow, I think, is really illustrative of the kinds of problems that all of these complex AI systems will probably inevitably show. And it shows the, the kind of inevitability of disaster. There should be no reason really for the mechanics of the system to be capable of breaking the kid's fingers. So that obviously was a huge screw up. But just its behavior itself, which is controlled by the artificial intelligence systems, makes no sense. Why would it do that? And I think that whether or not the Russians have identified why it would do that or not, those unexpected consequences are the sorts of things we're going to see over and over again. And the more trust that people put in these systems to determine finances, uh, to determine social structure and human decision making, and maybe most importantly, to determine the action on battlefields, the more trust people give these systems and therefore the more power that they wield over the various systems that exist in our technological civilization, the bigger the disasters are bound to be. Joe, we got to bounce. But one last thing, in 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 getting, they fired the engineer that came forward back. I think it was on the fourth or fifth of June. They fired him a couple of days ago, and they reported the buried lead in the article said they had done eleven internal investigate, not reviews, eleven internal investigations. Do you believe that Google should put forward all those investigations should be public immediately, sir? Absolutely. I think that everything that's happening at Google, by and large, should be made public. I think the secrecy in these major corporations from Google to Microsoft to Facebook to Amazon, we, what we know is horrifying enough. The more transparency, the better. And I look at the sort of legislation, the sort of antitrust legislation that's coming through and whether or not that will lead to greater transparency. Hopefully it will. It will certainly work towards pulling these guys down off their pedestal and making them accountable to us. And I think that's extremely important. So, yes, I think they should disclose everything that they know about that system. I don't really think that the system is necessarily conscious, but what you have there is the potential for an unpredictable system. And if those unpredictable yeah. systems are determining our lives, we need to know about it. And, and frankly, we need to put a stop to it. Uh, what's your social media? How do people follow you, sir, and how they get to all your great writings? Uh, you can find actually a review up on uh, Eric Schmidt's book, Age of The Age of AI, right now at the top of my Gitter or Twitter at J O E B O T X Y Z. Also, my website, Jobot.xyz, and of course, warroom.org under the transhumanism tab. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Thank you, brother. By the way, today we've had Dave Walsh, the great energy expert. We've had Mike Davis, the great expert of everything dealing with the Supreme Court. Uh, we've had Rebecca Koffler, an expert on the KGB and Putin. Uh, we've had uh, we've had Joe Allen, our expert in transhumanism. And we're topping it off with Mike Walsh. Michael Walsh from Bombardier Books. It's going to be out shortly. I guess it's going to be out this fall. But every day, they're, every week, I think they're putting up a new essay. Michael, uh, join us here. This is unbelievable. You've taken on the Great Reset. And the way you did it, Walsh, was to t go out and get 18 of the top thinkers uh, in America and really go after it. Tell us what this book is about and what's the latest essay, sir? Well, I'll explain it in, in one sentence, which is part of the book, which is The Great Reset, Steve, which some people think doesn't even exist or is a right-wing conspiracy theory. And yet the World Economic Forum, which is sponsoring it, is open about it and they have videos about it on their website. So The Great Reset is a repackaging of totalitarianism in the service of a ruthless and insatiable elite who use new crises and fresh rhetoric to keep the citizenry, citizenry pacified, divided, alienated, and grateful for their circumscribed standard of living. We are being herded, Steve, herded into high-rise apartments, eating bugs, owning nothing and being happy. Uh, all of these things are being sold to us as a, as a positive good. And so what we decided to do in this book with 18 essays against this great reset, against the new world order, uh, is to nail them from every angle that we could think of. And I was very, very proud and pleased that we got the kind of writers that we did, with David Goldman, Conrad Black, Michael Anton, former uh, National Security Advisor to President Trump, 
uh, Angelo Cotavilla, the late Angelo. This is his last essay. Uh, Richard Fernandez, uh, Victor Davis Hanson, uh, a whole lot of people. I contributed uh, the introduction and the final essay myself. But I know this is a subject of great interest to you, Steve, and I'm grateful that we can have a chance to talk about it. This book is going to be a massive book of the fall. Real quickly, how did they get to your site? You're putting up an essay, one essay a week. How do they get to find it right now, sir? Yes, it's on. Uh, we have an essay up by James Polos of the uh, Claremont Institute. It's up right now at the T H E hyphen pipeline dot O R G. The hyphen the pipeline dot O R G. The book is against the Great Reset. Eighteen theses contrary to the New World Order. Michael Walsh is the editor. It's going to be a blockbuster. Some of the top thinkers in the world. Michael Walsh. Thank you for joining us here on War Room Battleground. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, and we're going to be on fire. That I can promise you. See you then, 10 a.m. in the War Room.